0: Uh, Father, we uh, ask, as always, um, that you come and visit with us uh, for a little bit as we get in your word. Father, I pray this morning um, that as there are so many things going on, Father, that we would remember that you uh, are to be sought. Uh, Seeking you is something that we need to do continually, uh, not just a one-time event. And so, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to what that would look like, uh, both for the believer and for the non-believer. And so, Father, I ask that you would speak, and Lord, that we would um, be open to what you have to say to us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Um, as we have been kind of moving along uh, in our uh, series this, um, this semester called Practicing Christianity, the idea, again, is kind of to revisit um, kind of the basics of our faith. And so as we've been kind of tracking down the list um, over here, we are on uh, Seeking God this week. And so the scripture that we have um, is Matthew 6.33. Hopefully it's one that you are really familiar with. Um, if you like having a scripture to memorize, that would be one that I would highly recommend. Um, but uh, a lot of what I'm going to say uh, this morning, or you'll see some quotes from, um, from Tozer. Um, some of you guys are familiar with him. Uh, there's a book that... I, uh, I don't know if I, it might be better if I just like, read the second chapter out of this book the whole time to you, and you'd be like, yes, that was so good, you know. But um, up here on the table, um, there's a book by A.W. Tozer called Pursuing God, um, and a good bit of you have that. If you do not have it and are interested after um, about what I'm speaking about this morning, I'd highly recommend you grab them. They're, they're completely free, and then read it cover to cover, and then read it again, and then read it again. Um, it's a really good book for those of you that have read it, Um, So if you have, you're like, wait, I have that. I haven't read it yet. Please read it. (laughs) And if you don't, um, I highly recommend, um, I highly recommend that book. So it's back there uh, for you. So um, this morning we were talking about uh, seeking God. And so the question I want to start off with uh, for with you is what are you seeking? And so often this is probably not a question that we ask uh, too much. You're like, what do you mean I, I have God? Well, I, don't, I found him. I don't necessarily need to continue seek Him any longer. We're going to look at biblically what uh, if that's correct or not. And so but the question I do want you to wrestle with a little bit is, what are you seeking? Particularly on a d- daily basis, what are you seeking? Uh, sometimes it is uh, things that we don't put much thought into, but sometimes we do. And so I just want to give you... A list of some things that I think uh, that people uh, search for, and so maybe these are some things that resonate with you about things that you have sought for, uh, sought in the past, or are seeking now. Uh, and I I'm, I'm want to posit for you this morning that uh, we should seek God for um, above all things. And so, is the thing that you're seeking? Is it eternal life? Is it peace? Is it satisfaction? Is it rest? Is it joy? Or is it distraction? Is it numbing? Are you looking for truth or healing? Are you looking for fun, something to do? Or are you looking for meaning, life, death, love, safety, purpose? These are, these are really important questions for you, uh, for people that you know, for family members. There's nobody uh, that, that we know that isn't seeking something. And so this morning, I want to kind of lay out three uh, ideas for us to kind of to focus in on uh, what it means to seek. So the first thing I want us to understand in the Bible is that God seeks us. And this is paramount, right, uh, for us to understand that he is a seeking God, that he wants not just to know people in general, but he wants to know you. And so we're going to look at a couple of scriptures uh, that bear that out. To seek is to try and get or to reach something that one desires, right? We don't seek for stuff that we uh, aren't interested in, correct? I remember um, uh, a wonderful story. I may tell this at great length, but my son, uh, one time when he was maybe about four or so, um, he had a, a Ninja Turtle Lego, and this Lego had a pet. And if you can imagine how small that is if a Lego character has, like, a baby turtle, okay? So we've got Lego and then, like, baby turtle. And the baby turtle, like, sat on his shoulder. And we were at uh, Renee's grandmother's house, and he was playing in the yard, and all of a sudden he realized that um, that the baby turtle was gone. The baby turtle even had a name. Do you remember, Renee? Little Johnny. <laughs> that, that might be the best part of the story, that the turtle's name was Little Johnny. Um, and... And he is upset, and so we go searching for little Johnny with not much, um, without much thought of, are we actually going to find him? And so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story, how that, uh, how that ended up. But we search for little Johnny because, right, our son desired him greatly. Like, he was very uh, upset that he was not there Ezekiel 34:11 says, "For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out." That God desperately wants to know those who are His, right? and keep them close. So as we think about God's character, we want to be uh, intimately uh, understanding of who He is to us and that he's not some absent God or He's not somebody. That is, like, hopeful that you maybe come around on the weekends. Like, he is actively seeking to keep you close and to keep you home. We see also in Psalm 139 that says, "O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. That as the psalmist is talking about God's desire to know us by both searching for us but also probing our hearts. It's not just this absolute, like, hey, I see you. i just like to have you in attendance but he's wanting then to look at our hearts and know what we're about. That is intimate uh, seeking that he wants. We also see that, that often we think that God doesn't want us when we are dealing with sin. Genesis uh, 3.9 says basically the opposite of this. If we're familiar with the uh, creation narrative and also the fall narrative that the, the man and his woman have sinned, and God goes searching for them. He says, where are you? Right, he's not, he's not saying, hey, uh, something went off, uh, y'all did something bad, run away from me when I come home. Right, he comes home looking for them. They are the ones that have hidden themselves. We see this uh, said also in Genesis 4-9, this is the Cain and Abel narrative, where they, uh, where, um, Cain is uh, jealous of his brother Abel because his sacrifice was accepted uh, and Cain's was not and Cain grows angry right and he's, uh, and he uh, kills him, he murders him. But before this, God knowing the intention of Cain's heart, asks him uh, this isn't the verse, but ask him previous to this um, uh, about you know why he uh, like why he's upset that the brothers um, that the brothers' sacrifice is accepted, and he he warns him. He says, Cain, sin is crouching at your door," and even here, as he uh, when he kills him, he then is seeking after him. So, so this this notion that it is us that leaves uh, that that we are somehow um, abhorrent to God, even in our sin, is not true. That he seeks to. Uh, he seeks to have relationship within us uh, even in that time. And it's in that time, right, that we need to be closest to him. So I want you to uh, make sure that you understand that, that even in our sin. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house, the land in which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing and will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth you will be blessed. This is the story where we see Abraham chosen from all the peoples of the world to bear his name. And it's even in his, right, choosing Abraham, right, that he is seeking him out. He is seeking a people to, uh, to reflect his character. And so even in the choosing of Abraham, we see God seeking someone out. So as we kind of wrap our heads around this idea of God uh, seeking us in different ways and in different times that it, not some general seeking but he's seeking intimacy with us is that we need to come to the second truth that he tells us to search for him that in his seeking us right he wants uh, he he wants us to know that that is ultimately what he wants for him to be in relationship with us but he wants us to know that that's not a one race one one way street that that is a reciprocal relationship, that you are, out of necessity, asked to search for him. And so we're going to look just at a couple of scriptures. I may just uh, shoot through some of these so you can write them down, but this is not in any way exhaustive, but you'll see how many times he asks us to search for him. In Deuteronomy four twenty nine, he says from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all of your heart and all of your soul that it can't be a searching that is um, just ah if I get around to it rather, the searching for our heart with our heart and our soul is when we will find God. He says the same exact thing in Jeremiah 29 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. See, this promise uh, to be found is really important because when something is uh, something that we desire and that we've lost it, we look for it. But if we don't think we'll ever find it, how, how strong is your looking, right? You kind of look in the normal places. But are you going to be exhaustive in your searching? Are you going to search high and low until you find that thing? It depends on how important it is to you. Hebrews eleven six, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So we see this promise both of that if we seek him with all of our heart, we will be found by him, but also that we need to seek him um, because he will reward that through being found. Isn't that the best present you've ever seen? How many of you have uh, looked for things besides Jefferson on a daily basis, right? Right? And how exciting is it to actually find the thing? Like, you're more excited that you found it than that you have the thing back in your possession, correct? Because it drives you crazy. It drives me crazy. I'll just start ranting and raving, where is this thing, you know? And Ray's like, calm down. Calm down. Where is it? Let's look, you know. Um, but but I, I think so often we don't think about God in this way, right? That we are supposed to seek with him with the same vigor, Luke 13:24 Strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter but will not be able. That in our seeking that we need to seek the proper thing, not just generally seeking for truth but seeking the truth, seeking the living God, seeking Jesus Christ. Psalm 34 I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Promise Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Promise. Fill their faces with this honor that they may seek your name, O Lord. The psalmist here is telling people that for folks that don't seek him, he's saying, the psalmist is praying, Father, I need you to help them in their heart understand that you are the thing worth seeking and that I want you to, to 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 do whatever it takes so that they would turn from whatever they're doing and seek you. Proverbs 8, 17, I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. The disciple John is often referred to as the one whom Jesus loves. But there's an author that points out, well, why do you think that Jesus loves him so much? It's because John loved him so much. See, we think that there's something kind of lovable in us, and we're looking for God to kind of recognize that, right, on any given state. But, but you're no more lovable than when he created you, that he seeks to have a relationship with you, that that's when you're whole. It's not because of something you did or what you look like, but it's because you're his that he seeks you. And that as you understand and love that, right, that that love grows and that relationship deepens. So we see this in Psalm 105, 3 through 4. We see this in Zephaniah 2, 3. We see this in Proverbs 2, 3 through 5. We see this in 2 Chronicles 31, 21. see over and over and over again that this is not just some random occurrence that over and over and over God cries out to his people to remind them that he is to be sought and that as we seek him he will be found and as he is found we will be in right relationship with him that we will be as we are supposed to be in psalm 14 2 the psalmist says, the Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after him. That he's longing to see and find seekers. That that is what he's excited about. Oh, Brewer, Nick, Ho, Renee, oh, I see seekers of me. Jonathan Edwards shares the seeking of the kingdom of God as the chief business of the Christian life. What do we think, maybe even prior to the series, what is in our head about what the Christian life is? That's kind of the idea, right, for us to be, be reminded that, to, to, that God's life in, includes engaging in his word. It includes obeying God and denying self. It includes serving God and others. It includes sharing the gospel and exercising faith. See, it's not one of those things that makes me a Christian. It's it's learning to do all of those things. Erwin McManus says, sin creates the illusion of freedom. In the end, it fools us into seeking freedom from God rather than finding freedom in him. That this is why we seek that the people who are seeking freedom for him with proper motives are seeking him because they want to be free of the things that they've gotten from the things that they have sought that they've understand that the things that they have sought have given them nothing of what they intended and so they say well maybe God Tozer shares with us, I want deliberately to encourage this mighty longing after God. The lack of it has brought us to our present low estate. The stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present, or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that many, with many of us, he waits so long, so very long in vain. There are many things that we get excited about. Guys, I would encourage you to let your heart get excited about God. That is, we found our, find our rest in him, those things that we want to enjoy so much, but, have to, but at some point it's like squeezing blood out of a turnip. Because we, we want too much for that thing, that if we'll seek after God and find Him, then those peripheral things that we're supposed to enjoy and get great comfort out of, that we will actually get what we're supposed to. But our issue is we seek too much in those things. It's why people live for the weekend. Or, man, I can't that concert was so great. I can't wait to six more months. So I'll give, the count. that's going to be the best day of my life. It's like, no. Every day should be the best day of your life as you find in God, but you can enjoy the concert because I don't have to enjoy it. I don't have to find what I'm not supposed to find in it. This is what Matthew 6.33 means. Seek first my kingdom. All these things will be added unto you. Augustine says, Father, I am seeking. I'm hesitant and uncertain, But will you, O God, watch over every step of mine and guide me? This needs to be our prayer. There are not many, myself included, who does this very well. But as we will do that, that we can pray uh, for this type of thing specifically. Augustine is considered the, the greatest theologian the church has ever known, and yet here he is saying as he's seeking God that he does so hesitantly, and with uncertainty, but is praying to God to show him how to do that. And finally, Richard Baxter says, you shall find this to be God's usual course, not to give his children the taste of his delight till they begin to sweat in seeking after them. I know time and time again, you probably have found in your life That the things that were the most beneficial to you, the sweetest to you, were things that you had to work for. Amen? And so where God does not want to be is not hiding himself from you. It is in this holy desire, right, this longing that the sweetness is most found. And the last point uh, I want to talk to you about this morning, as we've talked about, that God seeks us. That in seeking him, he promises that we will be found. And lastly, that the point of seeking is knowing. Right? We don't seek to like, gotcha, like it's tag. Pull noodle tag, that was pretty fun. (laughs) It's not a, um, the point is not just to have something to do and to seek him. Right? The point is to actually know God, that I found him and let me rest there. I want to turn your attention, if you, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians 3.10, and there's two verses we'll look at, uh, and I think this well encapsulates this idea. What right, of not just seeking him, but knowing him. And Paul uh, shares so passionately, he says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. That he doesn't want simply to be counted in his company, like, I got invited to the party. (laughs) But he wants to experience his Savior's character. He wants to experience the things that he experienced because it will make him like him, that that is how much he longs to know that I may know him and his power and his fellowship and being conformed to his death. Again, Tozer goes on, how tragic that we in this dark day have had our seeking done for us by our teachers. Everything is made to center upon the initial act of accepting Christ, a term incidentally not found in the Bible. And we are not expected thereafter to crave any further revelation of God to our souls. We have been snared in the coils of a spurious logic which insists that if we have found him, we need no more seek him. This would be as tragic as uh, I got uh, Renee to marry me and then never hung out with her again. Why did we get married? (laughs) It wasn't to have a wife. It was to be in relationship, to enjoy the fruits of that relationship, to grow deeper and deeper in that relationship, for both of us to be mutually benefited. But yet, we do this. So many people think that this is all that is required of their relationship with God. And we've done a poor job of explaining this, but this, if you want to hang something on your wall, or put it on the background, or meditate on something, this will kick your butt. I know in my life I have many times misunderstood this idea, that I have settled for transactional relationship as opposed to actual relationship. And many of you know that you can slip into this in in the human relationships that you have, right? That we can move from a great relationship with our mom or dad to just a transactional one. That we can move from a great relationship with somebody that we're dating to just a transactional one. Or a friend who they really are just a friend because they have a boat. <laughs> or a mountain house. Or an Xbox. Depends on what age we are, right, for how we kind of choose our friends. But he goes on to say earlier in that passage in Philippians three eight, which is before that, he says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's not saying that other things are not of value, but he's saying that this, the value of knowing Christ, surpasses all things. He is the one for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as poop. So that I may gain Christ, I don't count them as trash. He says I count them as excrement, as doo doo. They are, in comparison to how much I uh, I find value in Christ, all other things are like that to me. They stink. And so that's a challenge to us about the things that we value over and against him. Again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't value things, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do other things. I'm just saying when we hold him in the proper esteem, all of those things actually are allowed to be in the spaces that they're supposed to inhabit. We're supposed to enjoy concerts and football games, uh, get-togethers, playing sports, hanging out, but those are not the things that we should seek after. Those are the good gifts that he gives us when we find our rest in him. And I don't want to talk more than about three seconds without doing another Tozer quote, so here we go. So this is a plug for just read the book, right? All these are from this one particular chapter. When religion has said its last word, there's little that we need other than God himself. The evil habit of seeking God and effectively presents, prevents us from finding God in full revelation. In the and lies our great woe, and we omit the and, we will shall find soon find God, and in him we shall find that which we have all our lives been secretly longing. That I'm not looking to have a relationship with Renee and, right, I'm looking to have a relationship with her. And as I have that relationship in her, I don't... Uh, God has made us as such that I'm not looking for that type of relationship any other place. That I'm satisfied in it and all that it can bring. Same goes with God. That he's not asking us to just be a relationship. He's asking us to make him our God. To have no other gods before him. That that is the place that he holds. And if we do that, then everything else actually falls into place. So we don't simply seek him But we seek that. He goes on to say, For it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God himself. And unless and until hearers find God in personal experience, they are not the better for having heard the truth. That the point of us coming together and hearing the word each Sunday, both in here and in main service, is not to like that the words are some magic concoction (laughs) that make us feel better, but that the words I'm speaking are I'm talking to you about God. That as I speak to you, that you are not turned into, wow, Rob talks a long time, or I wish he'd talk better, or maybe he talks okay. But that as I leave here, that I'm mesmerized by the character and the majesty and the love of God. That his truth and his word should lead us back to him. Not enjoy the talking about him. That as I talk about Renee, you should get excited about knowing her. Not listening to what she's about. Does that make sense? The Bible is then not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God. That they may enter into him, they may delight in his presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their hearts. There's an old hymn uh, written in the 14th century, and it says, Lift up thine heart unto God, and seek with a meek stirring of love, and mean himself and none of his goods. That I'm seeking the person of Christ and not the things that he gives me. That I'm, not, I'm seeking Renee and not her cooking, not her, uh, all the other kind of tangential things that I got. But that is how we miss God. That I seek just for his people, or just for his word, right? Just for him in prayer, for him to do things that I need him to do. But we miss him. And there to look the loath to think on not by myself, so that not work in thy wit nor in thy will, but only himself. So then I'm not working to find him in my intellect or just simply choose him, but I want to know him and him alone. I want to end with um, us looking at Matthew 6, 33 uh, for just a minute. I want us to think about this idea of well, what would it mean then to seek him in his kingdom and for all of these things to be added unto me? See, I think many of us could characterize our lives by what we're anxious about at that point, right? As we come up to one another, anytime time we see each other, we ask, hey, how's it going? And our kind of default is is I can tell you, like, if there's something really going in the forefront of my mind, but generally, and I I am included in this, I'm not absent from it, that I basically kind of share with you what has kind of filled my anxious days. How's it going? Well, I've got a test, and this is happening, and that's happening, and this is happening. I don't say that to poo-poo Uh, kind of our lack of communication with each other. I just want to kind of bring to the forefront kind of what's most on our minds, right? What we have going on and what we are worried about. And so God is is asking us not to worry, right? Not to be unduly concerned with things that we uh, can't really test the outcome of. But I want to kind of differentiate between worry and concern. Because concern... Right, are things that uh, generally inhabit things that we are, are important to us, that there are things worth being concerned about, right? making sure that we are responsible for them. And so what's the difference between concern or worry? Why does he ask us right, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and petition, make our requests known before God? that he wants us to know that what the relationship is supposed to be, as you seek me and find me, as you make me your God and I am then his person, if he sits in that seat, right, then the, then the very notion of being anxious or overly worried, right, about, uh, basically it's, it's fretting about things that I can't control, because we can control studying, right, we can control, like I need to rectify the situation with the relationship, it's like, well, you can talk to them. <laughs> but what we worry about is, well, what if it doesn't go well? Well, what if I study and I still fail? What if I tell the person, <laughs> what if I knock over water and it goes everywhere? Right? It's, it's okay. We'll finish up here. I'll get it. Right? It's this constant game of what if. But that's what God wants to be in your life. He wants to take care of the biggest what if. That's who he created you to be so that you don't have this giant what if. That if you'll insert God in that space, oh, well, what if this, but there's God. Well, what if? If you erase the what if and put God, it will help you understand what he's talking about here in Romans 6, 33. That if you'll seek and long for my kingdom, if you'll put me in the place, right, you don't have that what if. There are things that can happen, but I'm still here to help you deal with them. That is what I want to be for you. So our issue then is letting him hold that space. Moving past the what if and inserting God there. And this promise is the greatest promise of all. That all the things that we spend time worrying about, He says He will give us. Think about all the things that you worry about, think about all the things that we chase after. Think about how much trouble we have even accepting the things that we get. So my encouragement to you through all the Tozer quotes and scripture that we've looked at this morning that if you'll just start here meditating on this, asking God to open your mind to what it would look like for you, not like Trip wondering what it would look like for Nick to do it, but for Tripp to think about what it would look like for Tripp to do it in his life. I say, what would it look like for Trip? As I'm asking, what would it look like for Rob to seek first his kingdom, and for me to to to, to really take the promise that then all other things would be added unto me? Let's pray. Father, we um, are expectant when we seek after you, Father. Lord, I would ask that, our, that you would strip away all of the false things that we look after. And, Father, that you would help us want to seek after you. That we would be truthful that so often we are hesitant and ill-equipped. But, Lord, that you would teach us what it looks like to seek you and your kingdom. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your many words and for are helping open up his heart um, to reflect what we don't understand very well. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the last thing I want to share with you is little Johnny. So the Lego's pet that went missing in this uh, big yard, um, independently, uh, myself, Renee, and Renee's mother... Um, I don't know why we did this, but all of us prayed at the same time. We didn't talk to each other. We weren't anywhere close to each other, but prayed to the Lord that we would find little Johnny. And you might say, well, that's silly. Well, we don't pray for things that we don't think will happen, do we? That that prayer actually requires a great deal of faith. And not five minutes later, Renee's dad is walking the dog, uh, and I didn't think another thing of it. We, he was upset. We prayed. Uh, along comes um, Renee's dad walking uh, his, his mother's little dog, and he looks down. No reason to really look down where he was, and there was little Johnny, a Lego's pet. And it was after that, they're like, I found him, and we came together. It's like, I prayed for that. It's like, I prayed for that. I prayed for that. What? That we each realize, even in the little things, right, I can't tell you anything that has, that has brought me more like experiential joy because God can easily not care about this little thing, but I cared about it. And I sought him, and his promise was manifest. That's how much he cares about us. I've actually, when I've told that story, I've brought little Johnny before, and you're like, whoa, how did you see that thing? it was brown <laughs> it was like a booger with a hit anyway i hope that's encouraging to you um-